Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, visit them at a ham fest near you or call 920-435-2973 or online at pl-259.com. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone out there in Radio Land. It's Ham Talk Live, episode number 99. Receiver data on the ICOM 7610. And receiver comparisons with Rob Sherwood NC0B recorded almost live on Thursday, January 25th, 2018. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in. To this episode of Ham Talk Live, tonight we're joined by Rob Sherwood in C0B from Sherwood Engineering. And last week on the show, Jerry Buxton in 0JY was here to talk about building satellites and AMSAT's new Fox 1D. If you missed the show, you can listen anytime. Just go to hamtalklive.com and you can listen to us there or you can listen to the podcast version. It's on just about every podcast app out there. Uh, we do um, upload to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeart Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. We're also over on YouTube, so you can pick us up anywhere there. Well, normally we try to have a live call-in segment with our guests, uh, but due to some scheduling conflicts, Rob Sherwood wasn't able to be with us live tonight. So as they say on the Gong Show, tonight we're almost live. But uh, he did record an interview, and so we took questions by social media in advance of the show. So we are going to answer some listener questions tonight, but we won't be doing that live. So uh, tonight I'll be playing the interview, and then afterwards I'll follow up with uh, reading his answers uh, to the questions that came in uh, ahead of time. So we'll do that, and I'll be back with Rob right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you in part by Tower Electronics. 
Tower Electronics has been the Ham's Dime Store since 1978. When you need connectors, mobile and handheld antennas, cables, or adapters, visit Scott or Jill at a Hamfest near you. Or you can order online at pl-259.com or call 920-435-2973. Stock up on those supplies like PL-259 and end connectors, SMA adapters, audio cables, soldering supplies, mobile antennas, and hand Sticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even used on the International Space Station. Tower Electronics carries MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, Workman, and HamPro products. And don't miss their 0% off sale going on now. Tower Electronics, online at pl-259.com. Proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. A clean house is a sign of a broken radio. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Thanks, as always, to Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for helping bring you Ham Talk Live tonight. This weekend, they're at Arcadia, Florida at the Hamfest there on Saturday. And also Saturday, Jill will be over in uh, Collinsville, Illinois. And then February 9th, 10th, and 11th, they'll be at Hamcation in Orlando, Florida. So if you're at any of those shows, make sure you look for Tower Electronics. And uh, if you're not, you can give them a call at 920-435-2973 or visit their website at pl-259.com and tell them you heard it on Ham Talk Live. Well, tonight's guest is Rob Sherwood, NC0B, first licensed in 1961 with a novice license, WN8ADB at age 14, in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he upgraded to general class in about two months and changed his call sign to WA8ADB, and he operated as Portable Zero in the mid-70s out of Colorado, and now he lives there, just east of Fort Collins. He upgraded to advanced and extra in the 80s. And um, that's when he got his current call sign, NC0B. In 1974, Rob founded Sherwood Engineering, offering Drake radio upgrades, which he still does today. He started testing transceivers in 1976, and that total has grown now over 100. And that data is available online at his website, uh, Sherwood Engineering, and that's S-H-E-R-W. ENG.com, uh, NC0B.com will get you there as well. Uh, Sherwood Engineering now offers modifications to many shortwave receivers and is an authorized dealer of Japan radio receivers and still makes parts and upgrades for the Drake R4C, including roofing filters, crystals, capacitor replacement kits, and even owner's manuals. So, as uh, they, they say on the sports cast, let's go to the tape. All right, tonight we're with uh, Rob Sherwood of Sherwood uh, Engineering, NC0B, and uh, he's had a chance to do some testing on the ICOM 7610 and do some of his uh, receiver performance comparisons and we've had him on the show before in fact i I think rob you're still the the top rated show on the on the program (laughs) all right well we'll keep our fingers crossed if we can do it twice hi hi yeah well tell us 
about the 7610 and uh, what you found out with it uh, compared to some of the other radios that you've tested and uh, and what what do you think of it? Well, I'm impressed with it and and really the people probably want to know well how's it compared to the 7300. So of course I've had the 7300 coming up on 2 years in April but um these, of course, the 7610 was kind of delayed in shipment, or at least being sold in the U.S. So it actually arrived on a Friday, um, the same time that uh, the ARRL 10-meter contest was starting later that evening, about, whatever, 5 o'clock my time. So my wife was good enough to stay in town in Denver and then drive it up here in the middle of the afternoon on the Friday I was prepared for it in this way in that I have three operating positions here. So I had one of them empty, ready to drop it in place and uh, hook it up to an ACOM 1000 and was ready to go in time for the uh, contest. Of course, the 10-meter contest, when it starts at 5 p.m. local time, it isn't isn't, uh, (laughs) open for too long. So I think I got 45 minutes uh, in and mostly uh, maybe exclusively CW. So I got to use it um, all day, well, that limited amount on Friday evening, all day Saturday. Unfortunately, I had other conflicts on Sunday, but 10 meters was even in worse conditions on Sunday than it was Saturday, so I didn't miss much. The next contest I ran was the W1BB Stu Perry on um, December 30th. That's a CW contest on the other end of the band, 160 meters versus 10 meters. And actually the week before that, ARRL 10-meter contest, I ran the 7300 in the ARRL 160 CW contest. So I was using the those two radios um, kind of back-to-back over that month, and so it was a good way to compare. Oh, very good. So uh, you you did some of the, uh, the typical number crunching that you do uh, with receivers, I assume, and uh, – how did uh, how did the numbers turn out? Well, the numbers were somewhat better than the 7300, as you would expect and hope in the standpoint of dynamic range. I saw an email from a gentleman who had both of them, and he said he was so disappointed. He was listening to a weak beacon on six meters, and he could hear the exact same signal identically on the 7300 versus 7610. And I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the noise floors <laughs> of my two samples are within 1 dB of each other. And so 1 dB, we're talking about sample variation of 1 dB or laboratory measurement of 1 dB. I mean, this is, quote, in the noise. So one would expect them to be able to hear. I mean, receivers today have no trouble hearing unless it's blown out <laughs> or something like <Yeah>. that. <laughs> So how did the numbers compare uh, with some of the higher-end rigs? Uh, let me bring up my website here, and I'll uh, at least so I can look at it. But it's not at the top of the list, but this is really because direct sampling radios are vastly different from um, your legacy radio. One thing I want to explain, people go to my website a lot, and uh, there's a lot of information there. They sometimes get carried away and think there's only one number in the world that you should look at. And that's kind of crazy. And I've mentioned that virtually every presentation I've made from Contest University to all the ham fest I've had the pleasure to speak at. You need to look at the whole picture. But, of course, this table is sorted 
some way. You have to sort it by something, and it's sorted by close-in diamond range, which is most critical for CW pileups, de-expeditions, and contests. Now, it's kind of funny that the uh, top radio that's been on my website since, well, 2014 was the Flex 6700, but it was only on the top when the preamp was on, and the league tested it a few months later in the early 2015, and they got the same result. The preamp made the legacy numbers the way we you know, measure radios like for the last 40 years. It, it made it slightly better, even though you really don't want to run the preamp on the lower bands. That'd be crazy. <clears throat> but then I uh, had another sample that came in two years later, and well, in two thousand, actually in 2017, and um, I was testing it along with the uh, Elecraft K3S, and for whatever reason, turning on the preamp no longer made the numbers a little bit bigger. So you'll see on my website that the um, uh, even though the K3 or the K3S didn't change from um, testing it a few years later or on this case on 10 meters because I was really trying to compare the two and make apples and apple comparison. So we just have to consider that somewhat of an anomaly. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the 6700. It's just I just say take the number with the preamp off as the number that you should really compare. So we've got um, – the ICOM 7851 ahead, well, I would hope so. It's $13,500. The Hilberling is ahead, but it's not really a CW radio. It's mostly a sideband radio. So it doesn't have all the features you'd want like QSK or um, um, really tight selectivity, even though they did drastically upgrade it from a 500 hertz filter to a 250. But, you know, sometimes in a contest or a pileup, you need to go down to 150 or 100. So the Hilberling with crystal filters can't do that. And then there's the the somewhat anomaly in it. The KX3 is listed uh, also fairly high, but you have to consider – Read the footnotes, and uh, if you look at its opposite sideband rejection, it's a phasing radio. Um, the numbers are not all that high, so you just have to say, okay, I got to, I have to, uh, you know, kind of get a handle on what the numbers mean and read the white paper. You can click on it, it explains all that. So where did it come in? It, um, it, and the uh, the companion receiver, you know, the R eighty six hundred. Of course, it's a DC light radio. They came in at, at the same numbers. At um, you know 98 dB for um, the close-in dynamic range with IP plus. So really, I've said for a long time, if you've got an 85, let alone a 90 dB radio, you've got a good radio. There's approximately a dozen and a half radios that are going to perform well for most people most of the time. We don't stress our radios to to the max all the time. It's a good thing because all those radios we had back in the upconversion only days that was like 20 years or more starting with the TR7 and up through like the Pro 3, they were 70 dB radios, 7-0. And they were sort of okay on sideband and not really adequate on CW, but that's all we had. So luckily, I mean, if they didn't work at all, you couldn't have bought them. I mean, you couldn't have used them. So most of the time we can get away with 85, 90 dB radios, and the uh, and the 7610 is one of those. Okay, very good. So we've talked before uh, on this show about uh, how you go through and do uh, a lot of those 
uh, tests and everything. And you and you said, you know, like 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 you were just saying a while ago, one dB's difference at that point isn't going to make a, a big difference in the world. It it comes down to other things that you have to consider. So. After being able to use this for two contests and to be able to kind of casually use it, and you've got the 7300 next to you, and, and I believe uh, several other radios, including maybe a TS990, um, what all, so what, what's your opinion so far on, you know, picking one uh, over the other? Well, if you're a CWR operator, and I'm glad you mentioned the 990, as you may or may not know, mine took a nearby lightning electromagnetic pulse um, two years ago, and it was destroyed, and um, it was a long story, but my um, I gave it to my friend in Zero QO who can fix anything, I think. Maybe he could fix the shuttle. I don't know. The, you know the, <laughs> so... Um, he he fixed it with 40 hours of work and about $500, so I gave it to him. But he's got a new QTH, doesn't have any towers up, so I actually used the 990 in parallel with the 7300 in the ARRL 160 contest the first weekend of December. So that was fun going back and forth. Well, the 990, of course, has got solid-state TR switching. It's got an audio peak filter, and those are really important for the CW operator. And the 7610 has solid-state TR switching, you know, no clanking relays, and it has a great audio peak filter, just like the 7700 had when it was updated in the ICOM 7800, and, of course, the 7851. The ICOM really improved on their APF some years ago. With some input from me, I'll say. So... When you, if you're talking CW, more than just casual operating, I really like no relays clicking, and I like a solid state device keying my linear instead of a relay. You can't do QSK with a 7300 at 30 words a minute. Forget it. So, uh, from that standpoint, the 7610 is a major update for the CW operator. Now, if I just worked sideband and I just was a rag chewer, I'd have a hard time justifying a $3,900 radio versus a $1,200 radio. Um, and even if you did sideband contesting, the 7300 does a very good job. But there's a lot more flexibility for the CWO op, and the ergonomics are better just because it's a bigger box. And you've got all sorts of virtual buttons that are on the front panel of the 7610 that require you go into menus on the 7300. So from an ease of operation, it's a big step up also. Okay. So uh, the advantages, of course, you know, of, of the two receivers and, and then all the extras real estate on the screen the buttons and everything make it a lot better but as far as actual receiver performance there's one db difference well there's more than that but um it's still um either radio will do well most of the time i mean you can always come up with an environment where you know something is a <coughs> you know, maybe you stress the radio but uh, we've got a 94 db on one and 98 on the other that's with the ip plus on with it off um, you've got 81 versus 90 so it's significant but most of the time you'll never notice it um, but you know the more expensive radio has that feature now you mentioned of course the second receiver we've got um, bouvet island coming up and we know every the expedition works split. I don't care if it's sideband CW, 
I don't know what really guys do, but uh, we work split. So it's going to be easier with the dual receivers, of course. Uh, on CW, it'll probably be up two or three. On sideband, up five or ten. With the 7300, you got to poke a button, and you can kind of bop back and forth between VFO-A and VFO-B. But on the uh, 7610, you've got two speaker outputs, or you can hook up your headphones for stereo and get you know one receiver in one ear and one the other. You've got separate volume controls, so you can balance them out that way. So for the uh, in that case, it's a big deal. Uh, I think in CQ Worldwide in October, I only worked split on 40 meters for one station that I worked. It was so little split going on that year, last year in October, that I was stunned because usually I work, I don't know, you know, ten stations on something on forty meters on uh, you know the the guy I'm working's way down in the CW part of the band and I'm up whatever frequency he's listening on. So I would say on the average day, I would rarely use the second receiver. I did play with diversity uh, this weekend, and uh, yeah, it wasn't too exciting, but it worked. I had um, you know two Yagi's two hundred feet apart, and you could hear it kind of swirling around as the QSB occurred, but. Um, you know, didn't it did knock your socks off? All right. Uh, well, uh, we did give a chance for everybody to uh, send in some questions uh, on Twitter and Facebook, and we are recording this a little bit uh, beforehand uh, due to Rob's schedule. Um, so we kind of did that last minute here. So uh, we'll be watching here and see uh, if we get any questions coming in from you all uh, out there on uh, Facebook or Twitter here or Instagram. Uh, we'll be watching for those as we go on. Okay, so that's uh, part one, and I'll be back with more with Rob Sherwood, NC0B, right after this word from the National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting, right here on Ham Talk Live. The National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting, located in Westchester, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati, is only two minutes off I-75. The museum is the former home of the Voice of America Bethany Relay Station. Tours are now available every Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You can see the control room, a 200,000-watt transmitter, and the most comprehensive collection of inventions by the iconic Powell Crosley, Jr. Also on display is a huge antique radio exhibit and... R.L. Drake's personal collection of most every Drake amateur rig ever made. This is a unique opportunity to see amateur radio in action and have a chance to get on the air from WC8VOA. Admission is only $5 a person. The museum is located close to historic WLWAM and tons of shopping and restaurants. Take a trip to the VOA Museum or visit us online at voamuseum.org Oh yeah You're talking ham radio baby You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at HamTalkLive.com. 
Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, we did post some links um, that uh, Rob's going to talk about in this next segment up on our uh, social media sites. And it's also in the description of the show if you're looking at that. So you can get some links to uh, some of these numbers that he's talking about on his website. Again, his website, nc0b.com. And uh, we'll have some more about that later. And then we're going to take questions that came in um, on social media um, in the past week. Uh, We won't uh, be able to take any uh, questions live since this is uh, recorded. So my apologies for that. Normally, that's what we do here. But um, we had to uh, get this one recorded uh, to accommodate Rob. So uh, we'll go back to the tape and uh, finish this up. And then I'll come back and answer um, some questions that came in and a few announcements. Uh, But right now, here's Rob. We're talking to Rob Sherwood, NC0B, with Sherwood Engineering, talking about the latest performance numbers on the ICOM 7610 and and some other radios as well. It's been good to hear some kind of comparison between, you know, the 7300, which made such a huge impact on things, being the first real SDR in a box, and, and the numbers were significantly higher on it, and then... Um, now the 7610 comes out with all the added features and, and just a little bit more. So any other things that you've noticed here on the 7610 that uh, kind of surprised you? Well, let me cover two things. One, the you cannot underestimate the effect that the 7300 had to the world. Um, I think they've sold something in the order of 20,000 radios. I mean, this is just unbelievable. Uh, the extremely popular K3 and K3S has sold about 10,000 in eight years. And here we've got a radio that's admittedly a whole lot cheaper that's sold a staggering amount. And what has it done? It's cratered the used market. So if you want something that you just couldn't quite budget for and of all the radios that have come out, let's say in the last five years or ten years maybe – you can get something at a bargain price if, if you're not going to buy something new. So that's been amazing. The other thing is I think it had had to have had an effect on what Flex offered or just showed at Dayton this past year, uh, Flex Radio with knobs because it became f- fairly apparent, as you just said, that a SDR with knobs <laughs> sold like hotcakes. And um, I understand that the 6600M is uh, maybe beginning to ship as we speak or within the next few days, uh, somewhat later, I'm sure, than they hoped. So the the 7300 was kind of a blockbuster as far as uh, affecting the market. The other thing that we need to understand, and this is not very intuitive, is that the direct sampling radios, and I don't care whose it is, um, we have to be much more conscious of how we run our preamp if we run it at all, and how we run our attenuators. The legacy radios, if it's got a narrow roofing filter, like, say, a K3, well, most of the time, 99% of the signals don't make it past the first mixer and the crystal filter. And we've got, let's say we've got the preamp off, the signal comes in the mixer, we've got the 500 hertz or whatever roofing filter and then that's it so everything outside that roofing filter isn't even get downstream to um, you know get overload anything 
Well, with the direct sampling radios, this is totally different. It's kind of like a roofing filter that's as wide as the whole band, dependent on whatever the front end filtering is. And in this case, the 7610 has a tracking preselector. It's only a one pole, so it isn't dramatically uh, effective. But it, on 40 meters, if you're on the low end of the 40 meter CW band at you know, like 7020, and there's a broadcast station at 7250 that's running a megawatt out of Europe. Well, the the uh, Digi Select, their tracking free selector will knock that down uh, maybe 10 dB approximately. Depends on where he is uh, up above 7.2. Um, but if it's a signal, but if you're on the phone band and you're on 7190, of course the tracking pre selector isn't going to help. So we have to watch our gain, our net gain, and this is not that obvious. Too many people say, well, I can't hear, so I'm going to turn the preamp on, even if I'm on 40 meters, and that's just crazy with anybody's radio. But with the direct sampling, since it's so broad, it may be receiving the entire handband and then some. Um, we have to be very careful that we don't run the preamp when it's not appropriate, and we run an attenuation. And people say, well, if I run the attenuator, I'm not going to be able to hear. And that is not true if we use some reason. If band noise is reading up scale on your S meter, and certainly at night on 40 meters, what, if you're lucky if it doesn't read S7. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so turn the attenuator on or your RF gain, whichever you like. I happen to like the new feature on the 7610 that has you can adjust the attenuator in 3 dB steps you push on the attenuator button hold it in for like a second or two and suddenly it goes to a new mode and you turn the multifunction knob and you can go 3, 6, 9, 12 clear up to 45 dB I don't know what you do with 45 dB but <laughs> I set it at you know, 3, 6, 9, 12, 18 and, um, so I can adjust that attenuation so the band noise instead of reading S7 on 40 meters it reads S1 and that's what you'd rather like. Or maybe it reads as zero. There's no reason for band noise to be reading upscale, and it just makes it tiring because you see you, whoever's talking pauses for a second or you're in CW between words, and particularly if you happen to like fast AGC, which I don't, well, the band noise can be as loud as the guy you're talking to. Why do you want that? Well, I don't. makes me tired. So if you can adjust your attenuation so band noise is just below AGC threshold, it's not going to affect sensitivity at all. You're going to be able to receive just as well, and the band noise won't drive you crazy. Very good information, and uh, glad to uh, to hear some of that. Now, uh, some of the early reports on the 7300, uh, the, the IP Plus that we're talking about here, uh, some people were saying, you know, oh, you don't want to run that on, like, field day when you've got a bunch of radios around and, you know, in some um, high-noise environments. It, it was just uh, really bad. So this year at field day, we actually got a chance. I, I was planning on, okay, I, I've, I've heard I've heard this said. I'm not going to use it. And lo and behold, yeah, we ended up going to – the school to <laughs> do field day and and here we are with the 7300 and so we tried it in fact we even turned on the ip plus just to see what would happen so what did you and see we, what did you observe and we didn't and we didn't have a single problem did not well, have a single issue with the other radios right there within a few hundred feet 
Okay, so what band were you on? Uh, mostly 20 and 40. Okay. Well, let me make a comment on IP Plus. On my 7300, I never used it, period. What I think it wasn't a great choice of term because even though one should never publish an IP3 value for a direct sampling radio because it has no meaning whatsoever, and I think the leagues finally quit doing that, <clears throat> but IP Plus implies that it raises the overload point which it does not. All IP plus is, is dither. Now, dither, what the heck does that mean? It's just, if, if a chip has dither built into it, then it can take the low distortion products that are f fairly weak and probably below band noise on the lower bands, 40, 80, 160, and it turns the distortion products into noise. If the radio is done right, which the 7610 is this 7300 was not it doesn't degrade the noise floor much if you're on 40 meters i don't think you would ever tell the difference with the noise floor because the band noise is going to be high enough whether you punch it in or punch it out waste of time but on the 7300 ip plus raises the noise floor between 11 and 13 db which on 10 meters you wouldn't want 15 you wouldn't want the 7610, it only raises at about three. And for instance, to compare the Perseus that was the first direct sampling receiver I owned, it only raises about two. So that's what you expect. I don't think most of the time anyone is ever going to tell the difference whether they've got it on or off. So I just ignore it. But at least it's there and it's done much better because they did a better job with the clock, you know, the, the clock oscillator in the unit on the 7610 than the 7300. So the fact that uh, it didn't make it worse, it didn't make it better, no big surprise, particularly on uh, 40 meters. Now, if you'd been on 10 meters, you probably would have noticed that you couldn't hear as well if it was the weak signal. Okay, very good. And so you've noticed that the 7610 definitely would do that better than um, the 7300 on 10 or 15? Right. Absolutely. I mean, it only degrades at about 3 dB. So... Um, unless it means people should experiment with it in a situation they think they're kind of being stressed and see if you know give feedback as to what they see but um, I doubt I doubt most people will ever know the difference so I've never run it yet on either radio um, certainly on 10 meters <laughs> conditions were poor this year as they were last year even worse and um, so strong signal overload is not an issue and so the last thing I wanted was uh, to uh, degrade it all I, and I certainly ran the preamp on uh, 10 meters and of course on 160 what did I do I was comparing um, the uh, well on for, for the W1BB contest all I ran was a 7610 wasn't comparing it to anything <clears throat> but on the ARRL contest the first weekend of December, I was comparing the 990 with the 7300. The 990, I had the attenuator on 18 dB. So it was comparable to the 7300 with its only attenuator choice of 20 dB. So I had to be fair. And that actually placed band noise further below AGC threshold than I typically run, but it was very wonderful from a fatigue standpoint. There was just no fatigue. And also the noise reduction of both radios, the 7300 or the 7610, I like it. It's actually the first two radios I've ever run noise reduction where I liked it. So on 
10 meter CW, I ran 3 dB. I mean, I ran it on 3 out of 10. It's adjustable from 0 to 10. And on 160, with its band noise, I ran it on 3 on CW. So the um, keeping noise under control, band noise under control, is really important if you're going to be on the air for 10, 20 hours, uh, let alone more than that. So um, that that was a very nice uh, feature for both radios. All right. Well, I've been uh, checking here, and, and again, we apologize for this being uh, recorded to the listeners uh, and not having a whole lot of notice to uh, send in questions, but we're not finding anything on there. So uh, while we're, we're wrapping this up, Rob, uh, just uh, anything else that you want to mention in, in your uh, runnings of the new radios since uh, last time we talked? Well, I, what's coming up, Hopefully for CQ Worldwide 160 on December 20, I mean January 26th is there's a new Apache Annan 7000 DLE sitting in my home in Denver. It came on Friday after I'd already come up here at my contest station on Thursday. So I will be grabbing that tomorrow, playing with it in Denver. I won't be running it through the lab yet. I'll just have to, you know, make it work. And then I'll bring it up here next weekend and uh, get it ready to, um, I'll have one weekend to get all the software sorted out. I mean, that is the one thing that's you only have to do it once, but you've got to get it set up to use an external tuning knob because I don't like to tune with the mouse. Uh, get it to N1MM Plus to uh, work with the radio to talk to each other. Get it to key the linear and all that stuff. And uh, so that's the plan for the next two weeks is to get ready for the Apache. All right. Well, we'll be uh, looking forward to hearing more about that and uh, appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and uh, get this recorded for us and uh, been anxious to hear what your uh, your response is on that 7610 because it's a a mighty good-looking radio. Let me mention one thing that's been kind of a glitch, and it's a – and probably, like 99% sure, it is a software issue. Some people have had issues with the main receiver just goes dead and they have to punch a button or power cycle it. And some others have had a tone come on and the audio goes dead except for a tone. Um, I'm sure ICOMs are working on that. I haven't seen it. I don't imagine most people have. But if you are on the 7610 Yahoo reflector, there is um, – you know, half a dozen or a dozen people that have been frustrated. So this is a software-defined radio. <laughs> so <laughs> software can – then uh, this that is totally different. <laughs> yeah, right. And this is totally different. See, the 7300 used pre-existing software from like the Pro 3. And so they didn't have to write code from scratch. But this radio has a field programmable logic array. Uh, like some of the other, uh, and maybe probably all the other, the Apache or the Flex or whatever. And so ICOM has had to write code that was from scratch. And so if there's a bug or two, no big surprise. That's why it's uh, upgradable with a little uh, uh, SD card. Yeah, and uh, that's a whole lot easier than uh, trying to change out a bunch of components. So <laughs> we like that or, or even- little SD card upgrade. <laughs> Yeah, or or like on the you know an NRD 545, you had to pull out chips that were you know the size of your thumb and plug new chi- new chips in. Well, that's uh, you know that's passe today. Yeah, well, uh, it uh, sounds like it's uh, pretty well under control, and uh, hopefully uh, 
those folks that are having trouble with it will get a uh, get a software upgrade soon, and and that'll take care of it. So, again, Rob, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing your results with us, and we look forward to talking to you again soon about some more. All right. Well, I'm glad we could work it out here, and um, even if it'll be uh, recorded, hopefully they'll enjoy it. Thank you. All right, so if you're interested in seeing this data, again, it's available online at Rob's website. That's nc0b.com. And if you're interested in what all these numbers mean and how Rob gets all of the data, uh, check out HamTalk Live episode number 29. Uh, just go back in the archives at hamtalklive.com or on the podcast uh, version, and you can um, see how he comes up with all these numbers. So uh, we do have a couple of... Uh, um, questions that came in uh, throughout the week um, after we recorded this, and Rob was good enough to answer by email. Um, so the first question was from Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, and he asked, why do you think the DR3 is substantially lower than the Flex SDRs? Uh, design or chip factors, maybe? And what did you measure RMDR at? And uh, Rob's response was that, they're not really. Um, the Flex 6700 that he tested in 2014 and ARRL tested in 2015 measured higher with the preamp on than off. And no one knows why, including Gerald Youngblood, the, the man who started Flex. Um, when Rob tested the second uh, sample of the 6700 in March 2017, it was no longer the case. Um, and when the league tested a 6,500 in February 2017, again, no longer the case. So uh, look at the preamp off number for um, Rob's test in 2014 on the 6,700, and it's 99 dB. Um, in 2017, the more recent sample was 99 with the preamp off and 96 dB with the preamp on instead of 108 dB with the preamp on. So um, he did have a footnote in 2014 uh, saying that the data does not imply you should generally run the preamp. Um, it's just a testing anomaly of direct sampling uh, receivers. Um, so there's a minor scatter of data with several uh, direct sampling SDR radios. The Apache Anon uh, 200D is 99dB. The Perseus 99dB. The 7610 from ICOM is 98dB with the IP Plus on. The um, ICOM R8600, 98dB with the IP Plus on. The Flex 6700 in 2017 was 99dB with it, the preamp off. 96 with it on uh, the flex 6500 that ARL tested in 2017 is 102 DB with the preamp off 100 DB preamp on and the IC 7394 DB with the IP plus on. And as far as RMDR goes um, at two and a half kilohertz, it was 112 DB five kilohertz, 115 10 kilohertz, 119, 15 kilohertz, 121, and 20 kilohertz over 122. Um, and there's some links that we put in the um, social media and on the notes on here uh, about these radios. So if you go to nc0b.com slash 7300 
or slash 7610 or slash 8600 or slash 990. You can see some of those comparisons in the 990 one, uh, does a comparison of the 7300, the 7610 and the 990, um, in contests. The other, uh, question that came in was from Carl, KD9HQT, want to know how accurate the digital meter is on the 7610, uh, compared to a traditional analog meter. And, um, Rob says it's S9 with the preamp off. It's negative 73 dB and 50 uh, microvolts. Above that, the S meter is very accurate. Uh, below that, an S unit is about 3 dB and closer to 2 on the low end. Um, with the preamp on, it's about negative 80 dB, 23 microvolts, and all that's at nc0b.com slash 7610. And, um, also mentions that uh, if the R8600 was set to DBM instead of S units, or um, it's very accurate in any signal level with a preamp or attenuator setting, but too bad the transceiver doesn't have that option that could be in the firmware. Well, we've, we're just about out of time. want to mention the AM rally. We'll talk about it later. It's coming up on Saturday, February 3rd. Also want to mention Contact Sport. The Audible version is getting ready to come out. Uh, talked to M3BB and uh, said it's all ready to go. And uh, the Youngham Lens a Hand Award a nominations are out there. If you know somebody 19 or under, uh, you can nominate for that. We'll be talking about that later. Uh, next week, we hope to have Bouvet Island on live. We're going to be talking Bouvet Island next week. So 7375, and may the good DX be yours. Ow, 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 ow,